Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello. Welcome to From Ha-Has to Ahas with Sybil Wilkes and Stephen Hill. Unfortunately, Stephen is not able to join us today. I am Sybil Wilkes. And uh, today we are talking about the month of April as the National Minority Health Awareness Month. Uh, awareness is in there, but we need to be aware of this and, and what is going on as far as, especially as it concerns uh, Black people, brown people, and as we talk about the, the racial disparities in healthcare, uh, I am so honored to have two very special women with us today. Uh, first of all is a, a, a woman who, who needs no introduction, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway, uh, because uh, she is out there and she's doing the darn thing on Capitol Hill, from Capitol Hill to, to Minnesota and around the world. This is US Senator Amy Klobuchar of the great state of Minnesota. Hello, Senator, welcome. Well, hi, Sybil, I'm honored to be on with you. Thank you. The honor is mine. Thank you so much. And all the way from a foreign land, <laughs> we welcome in Ruth Clements. And Ruth is of uh, Quest Diagnostics. And uh, Ruth, we will uh, want to give you your due as well. You're the VP and general manager uh, at Quest Diagnostics, especially as it uh, relates to infectious diseases and immunology. So thank you so much, ladies. I know your time uh, is limited as and especially valuable. So uh, let's get this party started. And I just want to give a little bit of uh, background regarding uh, National Minority Health Month, the time of year that's dedicated to raising the awareness. As I said, we need to have that awareness in there uh, around the health disparities and illnesses that disproportionately affect individuals of racial and ethnic minority groups. As African-Americans, we have suffered most from the pandemic, and it's even more vital to focus on improving our health outcomes. Now, uh, just to give a little bit of history, because I am I'm a bit of a history nerd. Uh, this started like like uh, Black History Month. It started as a week uh, and it was uh, originated uh, by Booker T. Washington back in 1915. And now it's dedicated to uh, the month is dedicated to educating our community. And so we have two very special women, as I said, Amy Klobuchar, senator from uh, Minnesota, talking about this. And Senator I want to start with you because, uh, and as we're talking about the racial disparities, and you are very active in in a, a number of health issues and, and bringing this uh, to the public as well as doing something about it in terms of legislation. And, and I want you to talk about the uh, Preventative Care Awareness Act. Well, thank you, Sybil, and thanks for shedding light. I was just thinking 1915. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we've made improvements, there's no doubt, but there's so much more to do. And you've got the fact that in many states, African-American adults are twice as likely uh, to die from heart attacks uh, than white adults. You look at the big magnifying glass that was put on these disparities uh, during the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, where people of color and particularly African-Americans would be hit harder. And it's time to do something about it. And since we are focused on Heart, heart month, and we're focused on uh, so much of the issues on the cardiac side. Um, one of the things that I did uh, was to introduce, first of all, a bill uh, to make it so that you could have many specialists deal with cardiac and heart issues. That bill actually was passed, nurse practitioners, physician's assistant, uh, when it comes to rehab. And the second one you mentioned, the Preventative Care Awareness Act, was to promote screenings for heart disease. Um, to create a public health task force to encourage preventative care. 
And then I would just mention um, one other thing, and that's breast cancer. As someone that uh, has recovered from breast cancer myself just this past year, one of the things that I've learned over time um, is that African-American women, um, especially at younger ages, yes. they have this in common um, with um, Jewish women as well, depending on people's gene makeup, mm -hmm. um, that can fall victim to breast cancer at a much younger age. And that's why Debbie Wasserman Schultz and I sponsored the Early Act, which is a major piece of legislation to put resources into detecting breast cancer in those who are groups that are most likely to get it early. Um, so all of those are examples. Some of it is like the breast cancer story just depends on people's gene makeup that they're gonna get it. But some of it also is just about not having access to resources, not knowing that you can get these free checkups or other things or go in. And so that's why I'm so glad you're shedding light on this today. Senator, I think there's nothing like a, a girl power and woman power. And, and having gone through this, you and the, uh, the uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, having gone through breast cancer and, and now using what you have gone through and, and your survival of this uh, and, and to make things better for women who may not be as um, as uh, able to get the, the care that they need, preventative as well as maintaining uh, good health after breast cancer is detected. Exactly. And I think so much of this is getting the information out there because as someone myself who put off a mammogram in the pandemic and mm -hmm. at first, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, could risk, well, that's not true anymore. You're safer going in a doctor's office than a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. And so um, luckily I got to it in time to catch it early, but for so many other people, they're walking around with either undetected breast cancer or other things or heart disease, um, things that simple exams could pick up on. So part of our message right now during uh, this very important month um, is to go in there and get your exams and preventative care and checkups and the like. Um, because we have to remember when you hear that almost half of black women over the age of 20 at some time suffer from heart disease, these aren't just statistics. Uh, these are moms and dads and sons and daughters. And the reason we have this focus on minority health um, is that this disparity is just unacceptable in the United States of America. It is uh, unacceptable, and yet here we are, Senator. We we have a whole month dedicated to it when actually we should be doing this all year round. And thanks to our partnership with the American Heart Association, um, we are able to do this on with our newsletter, with with our uh, uh, podcasting, and things like that. And and I also want to, um, and as you mentioned, uh, the number one killer of African Americans, it's it's and and Black women especially, it's not breast cancer, it is heart disease. Exactly. And, and talking about it uh, from such a young age too, Senator, uh, how do we get that message out to our young people uh, through your uh, and the things that you're doing legislatively? Well, I think so much of it. One of the reasons that President Obama had a signature piece of legislation, Obamacare, was to make it more affordable for people to get their uh, prevention and make people aware, you know, if you're not going to use these um, uh, the ability you have right now for young people, especially they are on their parents' insurance, often if their parents have insurance till they're right. 26, so many of these screenings can be paid for. And we want to get that information out there. I remember President Obama laughing when they started calling it Obamacare. Care, right. He's like, I'll own it any day. I'll own it any day. So we want that out there. The second reason, because it saves lives and we want young people um, 
thinking about getting their own checkers, but also urging their moms and dads, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when your kids tell you to do something, you'll do it. <laughs> right. It's kind of reverse psychology because mm -hmm. uh, you're used to telling them to do stuff. And I think the third thing is we need people to be advocates right now for even better healthcare, to expand on the affordable healthcare bill, to get a public option, to do something when it comes to drug price negotiations. We yes. are on the cusp right now of finally getting uh, Medicare cost negotiations when it comes to drugs and starting that process and putting a limit on insulin, on how much you have to pay for insulin. All this happens when people start talking about healthcare. I actually today was with the head of um, AARP, Joanne Jenkins, yes, um, talking about the importance of getting this bill over the finish line. And so when you start being aware of healthcare and what you should be doing, yes, you help yourself and your family, but you can also help other people. Uh, Senator, we're, we're talking uh, to folks who are just joining us, uh, talking to Senator Amy Klobuchar, as well as Ruth Clements of Quest Diagnostics, and, and talking about this very important month, National Minority Health Awareness Month. And, and you have uh, also been working on legislation, Senator, uh, to make sure that uh, those with, uh, which is something very uh, near and dear to my heart, as well as to other members of our community, about uh, patients, including those with sickle cell and, and the drug development and 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 getting better care for that. And, and you have this as a part of your, your work as the Congressional exactly. Rare Disease Caucus. Exactly, so I head up the Rare Disease Caucus. Um, and one of the things for African-Americans, this isn't so rare, uh, sickle cell disease, often accompanied of course, um, as our friends from the American Heart Association knows, by heart disease, as well as kidney, lung, over 80% of children born with sickle cell or the sickle cell trait, trait. are African-American. Um, and these are real people. I think of uh, Ray Blaylark, the founder and CEO of the Sickle Cell Foundation of Minnesota. Her son was diagnosed with sickle cell disease at two weeks old, mm -hmm. and he's lived through recurring episodes of extreme pain. And unfortunately, those aren't the only stories like that. So what does this mean? One, working on drug development, speeding up uh, the research um, to make their lives better, people with sickle cell, even um, when it's trial drugs, experimental, when you are in that kind of pain or risk, you want to try to speed up those medical trials, getting the research, because historically this has been so underfunded. And then finally, early diagnosis. Um, there, when you look at this, back in 2008, Senator Dodd and I led this bill that came wow. along, the Newborn Screening Save Lives Act. And it's about making sure that it, we, we use the tools we have. Sickle cell is the most common disease detected by newborn screening efforts in the U.S. And then people can get treatment sooner. So we've got to make sure everyone has access to that. And I want to give a shout out to uh, a dear friend and a member of the American Heart Association, our own Arika Kaysen, who has lived with sickle cell her, her life long uh, uh, survival uh, with sickle cell and, and knowing what can be done. And, and Ruth, I want to bring you into this in terms of, mm -hmm. because the Senator was talking about clinical trials and things like that. Um, this is really important. And Senator and, and Ruth, uh, how do we get our people more involved in, in, or being a part of these clinical trials? Yeah, that's a great question, Sybil. I, I think for a big part of that is education and information and creating awareness around it. You know, I, I've spent many years in the pharmaceutical industry. Now I'm in the diagnostic industry, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of mistrust. 
You know, um, I hear it yes. in my community. I don't want to be a guinea pig, you know, so I'm not going to sign a poor don't child. For, don't forget Tuskegee, right? Exactly. And it's, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it, these trials are done to really identify whether or not the medication is safe, whether or not it's effective. And if we don't have enough representations in the clinical trials, then we don't know if these medications are as safe and as effective in a wide variety of, of people. So it, it is really a, uh, you know, a, 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 really a, uh, Yes. Sorry about really, that. My my green tone is lovely day, by the way. And I'm I very thought it sorry. Was great. I thought it was like one of my best podcast moments ever. Yeah. Equal to only when uh Tammy Duckworth I was I was I was in charge of a call. We had 20 centers on it, experts on the call. And all of a sudden you heard at the beginning of the pandemic when we were first doing things remotely, and her little girl saying, Mommy, I have to go now. I can't wait. <laughs> Okay, but may I digress? Because I'd like you to continue the answer. I thought that was such a good point about people in clinical trials, because, you know, if they say if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. That's right. Um, and you've exactly. got to be part of these trials. But continue on. I just had yeah. to interrupt. There. Yeah, no, I think I think that the point is around, you know, information, education, creating awareness that these trials even exist. Right. And and then also making people feel safe and trusted that you're not a guinea pig it's it's important that we have a diversity in the population of uh people that are being studied so that we know okay this medication is going to work for everyone not just for a heavily you know caucasian population that have has been studied you know if you look at the covid 19 vaccines we had i think 10 11 of african americans within that which is great but I think in general, if you look at clinical trial population, it has been a continuous struggle to get enough represent representation within that clinical trial study population. That is so vitally important. And, and Senator, I know that your time is limited, but I do want to talk to you. You mentioned about being in a meeting with uh, the folks at AARP today. And so we talked about the youngins and and, and let's talk about the seniors uh, and this legislation, as you mentioned, to uh, to empower Medicare to negotiate the prices for seniors um, and, and and whether the, the drugs are for, for heart disease or, or cancer or whatever. Um, and it's going to help how many millions of seniors who are enrolled in Medicare Part D? Exactly. We're talking, we're now have 46 million seniors and that's a pretty big bargaining group. But right now uh, the law bans Medicare from negotiating better prices. And uh, when you look at the VA, for instance, for mm -hmm. our veterans, they get um, good drugs, which with a lot less expensive prices attached to them. That's great. We want the same thing for our seniors. And we want to get rid of this ban on negotiation. Um, some examples, prescription drug prices, more than 250% in mm -hmm. the U.S. of other industrialized countries. Lyrica's gone up. Symbacor's gone up. Both of them nearly 50% commonly prescribed drugs. And so we are on the cusp of passing a bill, finally, that I've been leading for years, at least a version of the bill, mm -hmm. um, which would allow that negotiation to start. And AARP... Um, has been taking the lead in the name of Joanne Jenkins, African-American leader of AARP, who gets that all seniors are affected by this, but particularly, again, when you talk about minority disparities, uh, minorities have been affected by this. And so she's been a really vocal voice on this and been on TV and everything else. And I think that's really helped for us to 
um, pushed the bill forward. So she and I did a public event uh, together on that today. Um, one more Sybil, the thing, Sybil, before I leave, I just wanted to um, make sure people know some tips um, in terms of heart disease, since that is our focus Please. Uh, right now. Um, and I think you know them, but it's always good to hear from them. I kind of look at each thing for myself and think, mm -hmm. check, okay, and then I'll tell you the ones I can't check. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, don't smoke, or these are from Mayo Clinic, Minnesota's home of Mayo of Clinic. Of course. Um, don't smoke or use tobacco, check. I don't do that. Get moving, regular exercise. I try my best, half check. Uh, eat a healthy <laughs> diet, pretty, do pretty well, check. Get good quality sleep. Okay, not as much a check. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Senator. Yes, not as much a check, given what it's like to work in the Senate right now, but I try my best. <laughs> Getting the regular health screenings, check after my, you know, delaying for a year during the pandemic, I sure learned my lesson. So, and then the last thing is type two diabetes screening, um, which is really, really important as well. So I just think uh, people remembering to do these things could make a big difference for their own health. And I just so appreciated that you spent the time um, to focus on Minority Health Month and um, and of spending this precious time on your wonderful podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And may I thank you and the president, President Biden, for what you all are doing in terms of health care and the uh, extension of Obamacare or Affordable Care Act uh, for, for so many people. And uh, it's great to see that it has, has started and it continues to grow and include more people. So thank you for all the work you're doing, right. especially as we observe National Minority Health Month. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sybil. And hope we can do this again, Senator. Okay, let's it's do it. And then, but but you, only if you play your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it truly will be a lovely day when you come back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota Amazing. talking to us about the National Minority Health Month. And uh, Ruth Clements, thank you so much for, for sticking with us and, and being here today. I, I do want to talk to you because you have been described as a catalyst for change throughout <laughs> your career and keeping uh, patient health and the patient center of, yeah. of all of these things. And um, so as far as the COVID-19 response and, and Quest Diagnostics, uh, this is really important and spearheaded the community health uh, screenings around, as well as uh, other things involved with COVID around the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Quest Diagnostics is one of the you know world's biggest um, labs and provider of medical diagnostic information services. You know, we we have worked tirelessly during the pandemic in providing people with insights around, you know, their COVID status. And so we've, we've been on the front lines, but we've, we've been on the front lines in providing information to half of the hospitals in the U S even before COVID. Right. And we're, wow. um, we are providing results of nearly 2 million tests daily across, across the board, not just mm. COVID. Um, and as you know, you know, or may know, an estimated 70% of all medical decisions are based on laboratory test results. So it emphasizes the important role that a clinical laboratory like um, Quest can provide uh, in, in providing medical care to um, individuals. And, um, you know, when it comes to putting the patient at the center of it, that's why we are in healthcare, right? Mm. We wanna be able to give everyone access to information so that they can make better decisions for their own health. And, and that's also one of the reasons why, you know, we kicked off our quest for health equity 
initiative because one of the things that we quickly saw, you know, I, I'm, I'm head of infectious disease and immunology. And so COVID-19 response was in my, in my business in essence. Mm -hmm. And so I, I um, led that for the organization with many, many other colleagues. Um, but one of the things that we of course saw was the disproportionate and devastating impact that COVID-19 had in our own community, in my right. own community and the misinformation that was circulating and really leading to loss of life. Um, so the organization also noticed that. And, and um, so I'm, I'm very proud that we were able to stand up this Quest for Health Equity Initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and where while it originally started with the need to have, to give people access to COVID-19 testing, I don't know if you know the beginning of the pandemic where testing was hard to find and yes. especially in the underserved and, and you know minority communities, it was hard to, to get access to testing. There was still a lot of information for so people didn't even seek out testing. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to change that. And um, when we looked at health equity, um, mm. health equity is a big problem. It was there before COVID, it will be there after COVID. Um, but we felt that we needed to do something to make sure that every patient, regardless of your zip code, can get access to testing, can get access to vaccines and can get access to insights that leads to better decision-making and therefore a better health outcome. And, and that's really been the, the, the mission that we've been working with from a cost for health equity perspective. So that is, that is awesome. And it is exciting. And, um, and and you've been working with community organizations and I dare say a lot of the churches yes. in order to get the word out, correct? That is absolutely correct. I mean, one of the um, flagship programs that we have been supporting through our Quest uh, Foundation is Choose Healthy Life. Uh, and Choose Healthy Life is a, a project through which we collaborate with Deborah Fraser House, who in the 80s had a similar successful program through the black church, which is the trusted voice in the organization. Um, and she did that in the 80s with the HIV AIDS crisis mm -hmm. and making sure that people would get tested. Um, so we, she took that blueprint and applied the same principle to um, COVID-19. So what we're doing with Choose Healthy Life in partnership with Reverend Al Sharpton and Reverend Calvin Butts and um, Reverend and now Senator Warnock mm -hmm. um, in, in um, many cities, in five cities initially, um, we have uh, set up testing events, vaccination events, and more importantly, through funding of Quest Diagnostics and the Quest Diagnostics Foundation, we have been able to set up a health navigator workforce embedded in the churches. Mm -hmm. And these health navigators are helping us provide, you know, helping provide education and information within the black community and really getting people to come and test because we are doing uh, testing events, but also uh, vaccination. So we've had uh, more than 1500 testing events. Um, to date, we have vaccinated uh, more than 60,000 um, people through this Choose Healthy wow. Life initiative. And we keep going, right? We are now pivoting to uh, wellness screening because as mm -hmm. Senator Klobuchar mentioned, it's not, this is not just about COVID-19, right? We have to look at why did it disproportionately impact our communities? You know, because you have a lot of people with underlying health condi uh, sure. conditions, hypertension, 
uh, you know, heart disease, uh, diabetes. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to also provide um, screening tools. So what we are pivoting now, you know, the COVID-19 testing and the vaccinations will continue, but we will also provide insights and give people a, a booklet. It's a product called Blueprint for Wellness, but it really gives you a robust screening um, test in essence that gives you insights in your overall health status. Um, and the health navigators within the churches will then link the individual to follow-up care should you need it. Mm -hmm. So if you see that, hey, my um, my uh, blood pressure is high, there there's a link to a physician if you don't have a medical home to get um, care. Awesome. If you see that you're pre-diabetic, you, you get tools and the link to um, a medical home to get follow-up care and, and, and screening. So it's really about addressing also those underlying health issues that were at you know the basis of COVID-19 having such a disproportionate impact in our community. And how can, and, and, and is it only through the church organizations that you have established or can people get these booklets elsewhere? Yeah, so we've, we've, we've um, the Truth Healthy Life is only one initiative. We are mm -hmm. working with many other you know, grassroots organizations in, in different cities, because, you know, if you look at the church community, you can address a certain demographic within right. the community, right? But there, there are multiple channels that I needed to really make sure that we reach everybody. Sure. So we have collaborations in, in different cities with different grassroots organizations or collaboratives that are already uh, taking place in those cities to provide similar type of uh, testing services and insights um, to people. So it's not just through the church, it's through various different initiatives and, and uh, organizations that we're supporting. So what about the challenges um, as far as minority health? We've talked about, uh, mm -hmm. you know, describing some of this, but uh, for Quest Diagnostics, for you as, as, as one of the, the leaders of this organization, um, mm -hmm. beyond using the churches and some other, what, what are some of the challenges that you, you found and, and how have you worked through them, especially as it relates to minority health and, and awareness of, of what's going on? Yeah, the biggest challenge that I found is the misinformation. Hmm. that has been spreading just as fast as the virus, mm -hmm. right? And getting people to understand the need to get vaccinated, the need to get tested. Um, I've lost family members because of the virus. I'm sorry. Um, I've lost my own brother because of heart disease, mm -hmm. right? And here I am educated. I, I can tell you everything you need to know about COVID-19, mm -hmm. but I still have family members who are refusing to take the vaccine. Hmm. And um, so that misinformation and making sure that people are educated and trusting that they need to take action, and that they can take action, um, that is, a, uh, to me, the biggest challenge. You know, um, the people in the beginning thought that Black people couldn't get COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> that was the craziest thing ever, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, oh, it's just the flu or it's just mm -hmm. the hoax, you know. Yeah. My, my husband has barbershops, like the center of the community, right? And, um, you know, through me, he, of course, had a lot of the right information mm -hmm. and, and was spreading that, you know, amongst his clientele. But there's a lot of people who just didn't, do not believe the science and, and believe that it's a hoax or that it's not as bad. And, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. The other challenge is also that a lot of people in our communities 
have frontline jobs, you know, mm-hmm. bus drivers, yep. you know, um, you name it. And, and so we couldn't all afford to just work from home and be safe from that perspective. Right. Uh, multi-generational households, you know, a lot of people in, in one house, it spreads easily. So there, there are different um, social determinants of health that negatively, you know, impacted um, the black and brown communities. And therefore you saw the disproportionate impact. And, and that, that's a huge um, challenge to address. Uh, and that's why we're also saying it goes beyond just providing a test. It has to be creating awareness and education. It's really educate, educate, educate so that people can make the right decisions. Do you, uh, you know, Senator Klobuchar was talking about uh, how uh, sometimes our young people are the ones that that push for the changes within our households or within our families uh, and, and, and are turning to listen to them, whether it's your technical director or, you know, whoever <laughs> it is. Um, but are are you focused on working with young people or is it just black and brown people overall in order to get the message across? And as your husband has noted, because there's nothing better than barbershop conversation, I got to tell you. <laughs> it's better than beauty shop conversation, all of that. I'm telling you, that is a yeah. great place to have those conversations. But are you yeah. are, are you dealing with the, the entire age range or is, is it sometimes yes. easier or better? Well, that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? That's the ultimate goal that we can deal with the, the um, community as a whole, mm-hmm. including the younger generation. Because while it may be true that the younger generation can push the older generation to make changes, I've also seen the younger generation being very resistant to vaccines, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and so that, that's a problem as well. So the, the goal is to uh, address all uh, demographics, all age groups, um, and through different channels, uh, because not everybody's going to respond or be, you know, be willing to engage if it's just a church-based initiative. Mm-hmm. So we are we are going broad um, in terms of the organizations that we are supporting, uh, and it's a combination of grassroots organizations as well as national organizations like American Heart Association, who, by the way, has a great program um, about hypertension in barbershops. Yes, um, yes. But one of the things that we are supporting, especially when it comes to young people, is we need more diversity when it comes to people in the healthcare field. Mm. You know, we need more black doctors and dentists and nurses and you name it. And so we are very uh, proud as Quest to sponsor their HBCU scholarship program and their Hispanic Serving Institution scholarship program, which pairs um, some of these scholars with um, a research institute. They get a scholarship also from Quest. And uh, through that, they get, you know, the the information and the guidance that they need to get to med school or to get to the experience and, and, and you know, internships um, to further their career. Um, and that, I think, is, is a big part of Quest for Health Equity. And I'm, I'm very proud of it because I want to see more folks like me, you know, when I go to the doctor or when I yeah. go to the hospital or in business for that matter. Right. Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's important that we keep investing in our youth. Or in your case, when we go to our pharmacy and, and see people yes. that, that are there that look like us and, and exactly. provide not only examples, but uh, some more in-depth education on, yeah. on the drugs that we're taking. Um, so 
Can you talk about, because we talk about the, the role that uh, our heart uh, with heart disease and strokes and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and other things uh, that are in line with uh, the COVID. Are you, si- are you seeing other next in line diseases that, that Quest is looking ahead uh, in, in terms of treatment as well as uh, to get people, make minorities especially aware of these things? Yeah, some of the programs that we are supporting, a lot of it is diabetes, heart, health. Um, those are the two biggest ones. Um, but really, like I said before, health inequity was there before um, COVID and it will be there after, mm-hmm. right? And we have to address all of these um, diseases that are disproportionately impacting our um, our, our community. Obesity is another one, right? Yes. Um, it, it, it is a problem and we need to create healthier habits so that we're not becoming the uh, obese, you know, 55, 60 year olds with high blood pressure and high cholesterol and, and put us at risk for stroke and heart disease. So um, those are the three major things that we are trying to address, um, obesity, hypertension and, and diabetes. And of course, COVID-19 will always be part of our uh, offering as well, as well as our wellness screening, uh, which I think is really the, the most important part of it. You know, people should not postpone their care. Yeah. A lot of people stop going to the doctor afraid of COVID. Um, you know, we need to make sure that people do their um, colonoscopies. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that people do their mammograms, right? And I, I've been guilty of it. I have not done my colonoscopy yet and mm-hmm. I'm well aware. Well you well you have to be forty five well, to, to, to um, do this. So I'm I saying know. you still got some time. <laughs> I got some time. <laughs> well thank you. No, but I think it's important that people take it seriously and, and that we don't have the the mindset of, you know what, if something happens, it happens and I'll deal with yeah. it when, yeah. when it does. Because quite honestly, if, if, if my own brother would have listened to yeah. what I told him, he would not have had a massive heart attack at 49. Mm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and um, we need to do whatever we can do to educate our, um, our community to make the right decisions. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, can you talk about, uh, we, we talked a little bit about the ge- genetic predisposition to some diseases and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it, from your experience, are you finding mm-hmm. that our doctors and researchers and other clinicians are recognizing the differences in our genetic makeup? Uh, I, I, I have breast cancer in my family. My mother and, and other family members have yeah. had breast cancer. So, and, and, uh, and our friend Ricky Fairley talks about, you know, the, 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 uh, genetic makeup of black women that makes it different in treating uh, that in treating us as opposed to women of other colors. And so can you, yeah. can you talk about them being aware of that and, and what's being done? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's also one uh, I think that would be better suited by somebody from medical uh, yeah. to answer. But that said, um, I, I do think that people are starting to recognize that, but I want to, I want to come back to what I said earlier, right? Because of that, it is so important that we have representation in clinical trials, Mm -hmm. right? Because if we don't study that, if we don't have that information, then we don't really um, know if the medications that are coming to market really work as well in us as they do in those who have been studied. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's it's getting there, but not fast enough and not um, deep enough, in my opinion. Um, a big start would be to get more people to enroll in clinical trials. Yeah. Um, as we wrap this up, and I want to thank you for your time. I, I know that uh, it is very precious. And, and, and as we are wrapping up National Minority uh, Health Awareness Month, what can you, uh, what can, what, what would you tell us, the, the, yeah. the, the average everyday Joe and Josephine, uh, in, in terms of how we can, what we can do to level the playing yeah. field in terms of health disparities? Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest threats is really the misinformation that yeah. is out there, right? right. Uh, it impacts all of us. Uh, we need to become our own best advocates when it comes to understanding our health. And um, and that often starts with seeking out accurate and reliable information. Um, so one of the best things that anyone can do is to seek out the reliable and science-based information from known sources, whether it's a healthcare professional, whether it's a federally qualified health center, the CDC or the American Heart Association, mm-hmm. you know, which is a trusted nonprofit and, and make decisions based on that information and not what you hear on the Internet or from, you know, the, the, the people in, in, in the community that may not necessarily um, have that same information. Um, you know, being being our own advocates and speaking yeah. up and demanding um, access to care and not postponing it. I, I think that those are critical things that we can do um, to, you know, make sure that people follow up with the doctor and getting the care that they need. Yeah. And the advocacy is, is really important there. Um, So uh, you mentioned about uh, the, the scholarships, the HBCU scholarships, the, Mm -hmm. the Latinx scholarships for Latinx students and and what have you uh, in the medical field. Um, I, which I absolutely love. So how can people yeah. get more information about that? Yeah, it's a program that's actually, um, the American Heart Association has initiated that. We're simply a, a sponsor of that program. Um, I, I'm more than happy to provide information. And we can, can get that. Shared. I, I yes. know a couple of people in American Heart, so we can we can get yeah. that. We can get yeah. that information, yeah. It, it, it's a tremendous program that they've put together. Um I can't claim it as, as something that Quest has initiated because it's really American Hearts, but mm-hmm. it is it is so inspiring to see how these students are thriving under the guidance of a mentor or leader from renowned you know universities mm-hmm. that are working with them hand in hand on research projects and papers and and some of them even getting published you know nice. even though they're still in wow. college it's it's that that's what gets my um, you know, it, it gets me so energized mm-hmm. um, to see the, the leaders of tomorrow, the doctors of tomorrow, uh, and anything that we can do to help them or to give them the right advice or guidance is for the better health of our community in the future. And, and are you seeing uh, the? I've, I've read some some statistics that as a result of of COVID and and what we've been through over the last almost three yeah. years, um, how the uh, applications to medical schools are increasing for minority students. That they they have seen what this has done and they want to be a part of the solution. Absolutely, absolutely. But what we what we're also seeing, and that's why this program is so important, is that you know. A lot of times, um, many of these students are the first in their yes. um, 
family to go mm -hmm. to college, right? Mm -hmm. And you may not always know the right path to get to, you know, uh, med school or the right path to go to, to become an OBGYN or right. um, whatever specialty uh, one wants to do. And so this program helps with that. It surrounds them with the right uh, people, educators, mentors that can help them in choosing the pack, the, 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 the classes to pick, uh, the programs to select, to get them to where they need to be. And I think that's that's the value of it. It's not just a scholarship. Of course, scholarships always help, mm -hmm. right? To help with tuition and all of that, but also having the right framework of people yeah. who've been there, done that, mm -hmm. that can help you get there as well. And I think the power of mentorship, the power of reaching back and, and helping one that each one teach one, it's so critically important. And we need to keep doing that to make sure that we have, like I said, that diversity in the healthcare field. And I'm I'm thrilled to see the numbers uh, go up of people who want to become doctors and nurses and uh, be able to help out uh, the community. Uh, we just need to make sure that we keep supporting those students and making sure that they're not being detoured or making right. the wrong uh, decisions when it comes to classes and therefore are in yeah. school much longer than, than what they really need to be. So it's, it's an important program and I, I credit the American Heart Association for, for uh, initiating that. Well, may I thank you uh, for your partnership and Quest Diagnostics partnership with the American Heart Association and all that you do that you have done and continue to do uh, in, in keeping us healthy or putting us back on track towards good health. So thank you so much. I know that we have taken up a lot of your time uh, <laughs> as you are uh, not on American soil right now, but uh, thank you for your time and for your for your dedication and 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 passing the word along about what Quest Diagnostics is doing and the partnership with the American Heart Association. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. I hope we can do this again. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you've been listening to From Ha-Has to Ahas uh, with Sybil Wilkes and Stephen Hill. No Stephen Hill, but I've had a great time. Uh, and I hope that you have learned some things today as we talk about uh, National Minority Health Awareness Month, and especially as it relates to uh, Black folks and then the things that we are affected by as far as our health, leveling that playing field, getting rid of those, at, or, or at least narrowing the health disparities. And uh, thanks to the good work of people like uh, our friends at the American Heart Association. Thank you all so very much. Be well.